It's February 23rd, and today on the show, my guest Josie and I are dodging microbes as we discuss the hottest show on television, The Last of Us. But it might just be a Pedro Pascal love fest. You've been warned. Then I'll tell you three things to check out this weekend, and as always, we head to the vault to put in what we love the most. It's story time. Hey, before we get the show going, there's something I want to get off my chest. So to start off this episode, I just briefly want to talk about African folklore and its effect on Latin America. This will be the final podcast before the end of Black History Month. So I just want to dedicate some time to that subject. I think uh, Black History Month is, as I say, it's American history. It is Latino history. It's something that I feel a lot of Latinos don't talk enough about. And I feel like if, look, I'll say this. If you're like, I'm not black, this is not my month. You can always be an ally, okay? It doesn't matter. You don't have to be black to support black uh, businesses, to support black content creators. And so I'll say, when I discuss this sort of things, I just want to talk about what I know, and it's folklore. I love folklore, especially African-American folklore, African folklore. These are the things that we don't discuss enough. And I feel like Disney and other big brands should be doing this sort of things. Europe is not the only place with fairy tales. Latin America has fairy tales. Africa has fairy tales. Everyone has fairy tales. And I think we need to discuss that. And because I love fairy tales from around the world, I'm going to be discussing those right now. So the big thing when it comes to African folktales is the characters that transcend their continents, right? So Anansi, if you haven't heard of Anansi, Anansi is a spider or a spider person or a person that kind of looks like a spider. And he's not horrific as though that may sound. He's actually a trickster. He's a wise guy and arguably one of the smartest characters in all of African folklore, in all of folklore around the world. He is a trickster. Sometimes he gets caught. Sometimes he gets away with things. And he's not just an African folktale character. He is part of African-American folktale. He's a part of the Caribbean folktale. And we see his influence spread throughout the Americas because when Africans came here, a big part of colonization is getting rid of that part, right? When you bring the African slaves, you don't want them to remember their cultures. You want them to assimilate, to get rid of the previous culture. And there was this beautiful study um, by this man named Melville, who was like, hey, African-Americans have this folktale. They have these beautiful stories to tell. And we can see that with Anansi. Because Anansi, this African character, there's stories of him in North Carolina. There's stories of him in uh, uh, in Florida. There's stories of him in New Orleans. There's stories of him in Haiti, in Jamaica, even in Mexico, in South America. And we see characters like Sassi, who, if you're Brazilian, you know who Sassi is. That's your big guy. He's very much inspired by Anansi. There's so many fun stories. And so if you want to help, uh, you know, spread awareness of Black History Month and black culture, uh, especially when it comes to Afro-Latinos, Anansi is a good one. He's a wonderful character. And I guarantee you, if you're from the Caribbean, if you're from Haiti or the Dominican Republic, you've probably heard stories of Anansi. And just understand that character is not just a Caribbean character. He is an embodiment of everything that Africa has stood for, being smart, being cunning, being enduring through it all. So I've been doing a fairy tales, folklores uh, from African, African-American history and all my soul socials just to do the little things that I can do. And I just wanted to recommend those three characters to help spread awareness for Black History Month and its rich culture. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Storytime Guide with Matthew Torres, a weekly discussion about the most important events in the world of pop and geek culture. Movies, TV, anime, comics. This is your one-stop shop for all the stories that take your imagination to highs, sometimes lows, but always to a place worth discussing. I'm Matthew Torres, and thank you for joining me. Okay, everyone, before we get into discussing The Last of Us and spoiling the show, if you haven't started watching the show, here's everything you need to know. This is your spoiler-free Last of Us recap. 
So, The Last of Us show is based off the 2013 video game, The Last of Us, made by Naughty Dog. In the game, a global pandemic breaks out due to a microbial fungus that turns people into infected, zombie-like creatures. As you can imagine, society quickly collapses. The video game is beloved for its narrative style and cinematic storytelling, eventually being adapted for the screen by HBO Max. So beloved that in 2020, during our pandemic, Naughty Dog released The Last of Us Part 2. On the HBO show, we follow Joel, a grizzled U.S. vet played by Pedro Pascal, as he accompanies a young teenage girl, Ellie, played by Bella Ramsey, across a post-apocalyptic USA. Where are they going and why? Well, we're about to discuss it. But this is your official spoiler warning. If you don't want anything spoiled, check the show notes and skip ahead to the next section. Now here to discuss The Last of Us with me, it's my pleasure to welcome Josie Melendez. Josie is a film critic and entertainment journalist, and this is her Storytime debut. Welcome, Josie. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> and congrats on your show. <laughs> thank you, thank you, and thank you for being on here, man. I think we're going to have a good time because I think you genuinely love this show, but we'll discuss... Like the action, like the love you have for it versus like, oh, it's a critic. It's good versus like, I love it because I want to hear your opinion yeah. of it. You're a film critic. You, you're good at your job, too. So especially from your point of view, I really want to hear what it is you love about this show. So um, let's let's first talk about. So I played the game. I don't know if you have. I don't think you no. played the game. No. So my background with uh, The Last of Us is some gameplay. I did see mm -hmm. some gameplay. I haven't seen the gameplay like through, like, you know, the one that's on YouTube that's like, no the, yeah. conversation gameplay. or anything, just <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Nobody's yeah. going to talk to you and tell you what's going on. It's just straight through like a movie. So I haven't seen yeah. that one entirely, but I, do, I was familiar with the story. I was familiar with the characters and I was familiar with the world. So that aspect didn't surprise me. But okay, cool. Like, so I have the art book with me, so we'll yeah. go page by page, and I'll go. No, can, <laughs> no yeah, I, so, mind. I mean, I mean, you know, honestly, the great thing about the show is that it follows the game so well. Yeah, it's one of those moments where it's following the game and it's giving enough to the gaming audience that they're like, "Hey, wink if you played it." But if you haven't, you're not going to miss anything. And I think that's the the wonderful part about the the game and the show is that the show is bringing people to the game. Like you said, like you haven't like sat down and played, but you've seen gameplay of it. Mm -hmm. And if the, you finish the show and you're like, Hey, you know what? I might actually want to play this. And I've seen a few people say like, Oh, I'm going to get this game now. Yeah. You're totally open to it. And then you can connect the dots too. vice versa. I played the game. I love the game. I played both one and two. And yeah, like I said, as a gaming fan, it's, it's like you're from critic. When, so when I say video game adaptations, Nine times out of ten are bad. Yeah, you I understand mean, that. <laughs> Unchart Uncharted is still getting beat up. <laughs> I know. And yeah, and so now we're in this day and age where like this is a video game adaptation and it's mm -hmm. good. You know, and it helps video game is also game of the year, you know. Yeah. Combined, I think the first and the second have more game of the year awards than any other franchise. Greg Mason <laughs> show yeah, running this. <laughs> like this is gonna yeah. it's gonna be a bloodbath at the Emmys. So you mentioned Craig. What has he done exactly? Um, Chernobyl, and it was mostly him being like, "I want to do this. <laughs> I want to. I want to work with this game." When it comes to this kind of thing, um, when it comes to the show The Last of Us, what was your? You said you didn't really play the game. What was your expectations going to this? Did you think this was going to be more horror? Did you think this was going to be more like scary? What were you expecting from this show? Since it's a zombie show, I definitely thought it was going to be like more gory a la Walking Dead, like mm -hmm. that kind of vibe. But I like that we've been focusing more on the human aspect and it's much more tame and they only leave the thrills for when it 
it's important and when it matters, it's not just for spectacle's sake. So I definitely thought it would be the opposite of that. And I like that it's so grounded. I heard someone say that they liked the first episode, but it was too boring. That after the first opening sequence, it got really boring. Boring where? <laughs> it's not, okay, so. I like it. No, and just the details, because I'm very, I'm, I worked in an art department. Like, I would have loved to have been in the art department for this show because just the details and like most of those sets are legit. It's not green screen. Yeah. Of course, we do have blue screen and green screen, but like most of it, like they built it. There are videos of mm-hmm. them like putting the moss on the cars and everything and them setting up the streets. So there's so much detail. And like when she's at the watch shop in the first episode and like they close the curtain and there's like a watch there and it's just signifying that they're running out of time and it's about to go down. Mm-hmm. So just those small details. I'm like, how can you be bored with that? Like they put so much thought into everything. You mentioned that like this is all in work. Like, yes, there's blue screen, there's green screen, but there's practical effects. And mm-hmm. when it comes to zombie shows, practical effects is important. You always can and should, whenever you can, mix practical with you know non with CGI and stuff. You know, if you need to have someone's rib cage split open, you know, it's hard to do that as a practical yeah. <laughs> effect. You need some CGI, but that doesn't mean the rest of them can't be. And I think what I love. So we're going to go into spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen episode five, this is we're going into it. The bloater, the big, yeah. <laughs> crazy monster that shows up at the end of episode five was a practical effect. 80 pounds of practical um, bot at like, that's crazy to me, right? Yeah. Like it's, we don't see that a lot. Like, what was your thought seeing all these infected and everything and seeing the practical effects of the clickers and the bloaters and everything else? The clickers are also practical effects, which are really like, I know that some people that were able to see it ahead of time, you know, in screeners, sometimes um, they're not entirely finished. Mm-hmm. And like some of the clickers did have some unfinished CGI, but it was just like small details like to sharpen it or whatever. But like the actual person is dressed in this costume, like mm-hmm. it is practical all the way through. It's just those little details just to make it like spicy. <laughs> but in that fifth episode, I think my favorite part was the behind the scenes clip. They did it like in sections first. It was like one person. Then they like added a few more with computers. Mm-hmm. But like most of it was people dressed like yeah. that like it was real people type of again walking dead with like the zombie schools that they used to do the trainings for the yeah. actors <laughs> yeah, the zombie schools yep oh, so, it's not quite as good as a cat school from the movie cats but you know <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> sorry whenever i can take jabs at that movie i will but yeah like you're saying it's you know zombie schools everything the walking dead and i think just as a side note did you watch all the walking dead were you a fan of the show i stopped watching after a while because well, I feel like I hear that a lot. It's so, I love the original. <laughs> I love the original cast too. And once you start losing those people, like you start losing the essence. And for me, it's just one of those times that I was like, it's time for me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, but the thing is, like you mentioned, so it's like The Walking Dead. I mean, I watched the entire show. I loved it. I watched the comics and everything. So I'm a you diehard fan. Like but one when, of those, like you know how Boy Scouts have, have those little pins. The little, <laughs> I was a Boy Scout. Yeah, you know, it's, like, it's, you it's, need it's, another one. <laughs> I watched The Walking Dead, and Grant, it's a lot of episodes. Mm-hmm. It's not like. Oh, it was three seasons I couldn't get through. It was like, hey, it's like 11 seasons of 20-something episodes. It's a lot of episodes. But yeah, it was a good show. And like, I think what the coolest thing about that is the zombies, right? And in this, they're not technically the the last of us. They're not zombies. They're infected. Mm -hmm. Because as the kid brings up in episode five, like, hey, the plant takes over the body. But does that mean that there's someone beneath there which actually like they said it they freaking yeah. said it that they're actually still there so you're still conscious that you're doing these things which is so sad <laughs> it's horrifying it's all right horrible. so speaking of like that we've talked a bit about episode five let's recap this so episode one um you said you didn't play the video game i was crying when 
Because it happens exactly the same way it happens in the yeah. game. If you've seen episode seen, one, you I guys have seen that clip though, but I saw it after I watched the episode just to compare. But I love how I was watching it and I'm like, she's not going to survive. And my friend was like, how do you know? And I'm like, because she's not in any of the promotions. <laughs> you know, that's what, like my wife always says. She's like, I don't want to watch the teasers. I don't want, I'll see the first trailer and that's it. And like, for me, I, I get it. I, I overanalyze everything. I mean, that's what we do. You know, mm-hmm. it's, we love film and everything. We overanalyze things. Yeah. Like you said, like we know she's on the show cause she's mm-hmm. not in the posters, but it's still a, one of those, like, you know, it's coming and it's sad from a yeah. filmmaking point of view. Even if you didn't see the promotion, you probably would have guessed she ain't making through this. This is a moment for yeah, the character. Yeah, but also, my gosh, her survival instincts are bad. Like, he, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> like why yeah, are you following the trail of blood? <laughs> yeah, Wait, it was we definitely one of those, like, I think that's the good thing about the show is that for the most part, I feel like that was the only moment in the entire series thus far where you're like, don't be stupid. You're smarter than that. Like, you're a smart girl. But also, it's like you have a Latino father. Some of that instinct should have, like, kicked in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it was one of those, like, hey, it's, it's, we need to let this, this character be stupid for a second because we need the audience to see this, It was you a know? good reveal, so. So that was the first half of episode one, and then they do the time skip. Joel is, you know, older. At which point I'm like, are they making Pedro Pascal older or are they making him younger in the first part or is like what did they do to make him age because he doesn't look like he aged that much but he does they just it's, gave him like a little bit of a whitened beard and they were like ah yes yeah, the he's hair. older <laughs> yeah, I was like it's like damn what it is to be older and good looking you don't really have to worry even when you're <laughs> old man you're just like oh well I'm Pedro Pascal and so yeah so we end up you know he's burning the kid's dead body we see the scanner and everything and it ends up leading to a very good first episode where yeah, there's not like big twists and stuff, but we get introduced to Ellie's character, which I think is really important because yeah. if we don't like the two main characters, we ain't watching the show. And when you have a character like Ellie, she's a very interesting character. Like you said, I've, I, um, so I play the game, so everything and the DLC. So I know that Ellie is a lesbian, that she's, and you kind of hint to, you know, the show hints to it throughout. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that representation of it? I liked it because of that exact same thing. It was very subtle. I didn't know that Ellie was queer. And then, but I still got that hint in that episode when the second one, when they're walking and they're like, oh, so you went into that place by yourself. And obviously we know that's not true, but they're like, yeah. And then um, she asks if she has like a boyfriend or someone looking for her. And she's like, no, just the way that they handle it and the way the mannerisms and everything, it's so normal. And it's normalizing this, especially the fact that Naughty Dog is a company that doesn't fear adding queer characters to their products. Yeah. And they were able to add more of that to part two from what my friends that are obsessed with the game have told me. Yes, they and have. And... It feels as though in that first part they wanted to do that, but by the time it came out... So it was 2013 and things were getting more progressive when it came to LGBTQIA plus rights, but it was still 2013, you know? I was It was still fairly new to popular media. And I love how it's natural. It's not one of those like, oh, they're gay moments. It was like, oh, they're gay. Cool. Yeah. That's sweet. And you tell this blue, beautiful love story. And yeah, I think episode three is one of the like the best reviewed and everything. And it's it's really one oh, of yeah, those. It, th- changed, it changed TV history. <laughs> it did. Absolutely. Because you can show it showed the world that you can tell a beautiful love story with two men, with, you know, two women, two characters that aren't traditionally man and woman. 
And it doesn't have to be like, oh, they're gay and they're flamboyant. And the whole point is that they're it's two people in love, period. And mm-hmm. it, it helps that they're gay, you know, to, to for the audience of diversity. But at the end of the day, they told a, they told a story about love. And that's not limited to, you know, heterosexuality. We'll never see strawberries the same way again. I know. <laughs> and I know someone pointed out, I think that the wine that he was sharing at first is actually like strawberry yeah. flavored. So it was building, you know, I'm just like, damn, good story. Like you said, if the <laughs> being in the art room, the details and the character development and little things. Oh, they're having fun. Yeah. And I like <laughs> that it didn't end on a big action sequence. A part of me is like, you know, the, the pew, 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 I want to see that stuff. But the other end, I'm like, I'm glad they didn't. We had the one little action sequence where he gets shot, but they got to live the happy ending. And we never get that in horror movies. No. Usually, let alone a zombie or an infected apocalypse. I feel like we discuss every episode. We'll be here for an hour. (laughs) So jumping forward to that, what was your favorite performance? What's your favorite character in the show so far? I'm going to try to say someone that's not Pedro Pascal (laughs) because I love that man. Um... Anna Torv was good. Anna Torv surprised me. But I think just in general, again, I think it's going to be a bloodbath for guest performances. Yeah. Because every single show just has had that one perfect guest performance. And like in the fifth one, I think that's my favorite episode so far. God, yeah, that was And I yeah, know it's the last sad. one and it might seem like, oh, it's the most recent one. But I just think that one perfectly encompasses everything that the game stands for. Mm-hmm. And it's just a perfect pivoting point for um joel and ellie's journey right now because basically joel is starting to notice i've messed up so many times i can't mess up now he's actually feeling the weight on his shoulders and ellie is slowly like hardening herself to the world because she's so far been so playful and everything and now it's like oh this just got real so i like that episode um those two actors i really like them kayvon especially and once again speaking of diversity and everything it's they hired a deaf actor. Yeah. That's crazy. And that wasn't in the game. No, he wasn't. They were like, hey, what if he was deaf? It would add more. And so, like, I don't think people that don't know film understand kids on set is hard. Mm-hmm. Having a kid on set would have been hard, period. You have a very short amount of time to film their scenes. It's very difficult. And then to hire a child who is deaf on a big budget action set, and they had an action set pieces. For anyone that knows filmmaking, <laughs> to do an action sequence is hard. There's a lot of moving pieces. To have one of the actors be deaf, that makes it so much harder. And yet they were willing to go through these things because they're like, this is important. Yes, it's 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 great that we can have diversity and everything, but this is important for the characters. It's not just like a like a superficial thing. They're building it into the story. It just shows that these these writers, they care about diversity. It's not one of those like, hey, let's hire a Latino because we need the Latino market because HBO Max isn't having enough. Lat-. It's not that. Mm-hmm. It's genuinely from the heart. These people that like they they look at the show, they see what needs to be done. They want to bring diversity. They do it naturally. And to me, I don't know about you. I don't see many shows that do that. Man, I cried. I don't know if you cried. But the episode five oh, yeah. with the, the, the I always say the, father, <laughs> the the older brother and the younger brother. I have an mm-hmm. older brother who's six years older than me. I've always had that, that really soft. kills me. Oh, my God. I because sobbed. That third one, I got emotional, but I wasn't as destroyed as episode five. Yeah. Because it's just he turns his back to Ellie so that he can't hear her. So he won't attack her like he thought it through. And then you're like, that boy, yeah. he oh deserves better. Oh, my God, better. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he, yeah, he wouldn't hear her so she could leave, hoping. But she smacked the bed. That's what I'm saying. It's the little things about yeah, this show that things. really get it going. And, yeah, I sobbed. And I knew this. Like I said, I played the video game. I played it multiple times. Yeah. I knew this was coming. 
And I cried. It's so different <laughs> in the show because just the chemistry that they both had. Mm-hmm. I feel it just goes to a whole nother level and just the acting and his reaction when he realizes what he did. I think they handled it beautifully. Yeah, and, and it's so this is the big thing, too, that I want to cover is for the people that played the game, the deviations from the game are so well. In episode three, I always forget the Bill and Frank. I think they're the names. Mm-hmm. Um, they Frank's not in the, the, the game. Yeah. The first time we see him, he's already dead. He hanged himself. And so we get to see Bill's reaction. And that's when we find it like. Oh, you know, Joel's being a dick and he's like, yeah, well, where's your, you know, where, I bet he did this. And Bill's like, he was my lover. And I, Joel's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You know, and we had that sad ending, but and they they changed it. I think, honestly, I would say comfortably fixed it where they mm-hmm. said, hey, no, let's dive into these characters, into both of them and give them something better. Um, and so there's once again a deviation from the game. So I think when it came to episode five, I, I can say me personally, my wife played the game. Where we see, oh, they did a deviation from the game in episode three. Maybe they'll do it again. Maybe the the, the brothers mm. won't die. Like maybe they'll give us a win. I thought the same thing <laughs> because didn't. I knew I knew what was going to happen because I know I know the plot of the game, yeah. and so far they've been following it pretty loyally. So I was like, wait, this episode feels weird. We're, we're running like it's ending, and they're still alive. Are they going to change it? <laughs> or I thought maybe they were going to push it to the next episode. And then it happens and you're like, ah. (laughs) And the thing is, too, the rest of the episodes, episode four and five, they are different from the game. In the game, you kind of just spend the whole time in a sewer system and you're escaping. There's no rebels. There's no anything. Mm -hmm. And so they drastically change it. And I have to feel that's a conscious decision to go, hey, let's keep it the same just to mess with the gaming fans. Like, let's keep it the same (laughs) just to mess with the people who think we might change it, you know? And so because like the whole blood thing where she tries to like cure the thing, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's it's very sudden in the game, and I think that's the the beautiful thing. And I hope we keep saying that. And I don't know how far they're gonna go from it. Um, I won't spoil anything about the video games, but I'll just say big things happen in the sequel. Big things happen. I mean, I think we're maybe halfway through the video game at this point, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I, I gotta say, things keep getting crazy. You know, it's the there's more the it's more da- infected it's downhill. to come. It's downhill from here emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's going to be really rough because now we've gotten to the point and then the video game and in the show where this is now now Joel and Ellie have hit the point where they're turning to their characters. So this is the moment where we get to grow with the characters and we get experience just the two of them. And to kind of clear this all up, we're going to go forward with talking about the characters and thing we loved. And really, Pedro Pascal, like everyone calls him daddy, the big sexy, you know, sexy daddy, big, dirty, sexy daddy, whatever. He's my iPhone wallpaper. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, too, it's so rare to have an actor who's so genuinely themselves, who's so Mm -hmm. genuinely funny. He's like, and the thing is, too, we see him as the Mandalorian, and then we see him uh, as Joel in The Last of Us. He's not caring. He won't laugh. But he's not like that in real life. He's, no, he's silly. <laughs> he's a bubbly, silly, you know, like the the moments between him and Oscar Isaac is hilarious, which I would argue if there's two sexy daddies on the planet, it's Oscar Isaac and it's Pedro Pascal. Yeah. And so I'm waiting for it's confirmed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're one. And so I think it's so funny that we, you know, Pedro Pascal is becoming this like it. I, it's not a new genre, but I feel like the Mandalorian and the Last of Us has really propelled this genre of. Yeah. Get a grizzled guy and a small child and just, you know, and then we like it. We go, yeah, for sure. You know, we've seen that with, um, with the Wolf and Club and everything, you know. <laughs> At this point, like it's his genre. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's Pedro Pascal's genre. And so for me, it's just, it's so cool that he was, you know, um, I don't know if you watch the SNL. Um, where oh, he, yeah. Which I don't I watch I tried SNL. to get tickets, but they sold out in like 
three seconds. Se- yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that's. And for me, it's like he's. I don't really watch SNL, but I watched that, and he was hilarious in this. Yeah. The one where he has the lift and everything, and he's talking like this guy. So he was actually he was on Seth Meyers last night. He was saying that that after a. I, I swear this has a this has a point. This is relevant. After they, <laughs> whenever they're on set, since it's such a heart wrenching show, that voice came from set because whenever they stop filming, he just goes like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so he like developed that voice on set, and he started doing it in SNL. And they were like, "Why don't we make a skit with that? It's funny." <laughs> I love it too because I don't think there's a single skit with Pedro Pascal where anyone can stay in character. Every oh, time with, he opens uh, his mouth, Temecula. I'm for- <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. a good one. Everyone's constantly breaking character. I'm like, damn. And and the thing is too, and I love to see it when it comes to Pedro Pascal because the reason he's so great, other than he's funny and he's sexy and he's sad, you know, all these things about him is that he's so proud to be Latino. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the jokes he's made is, and yes, I can speak Spanish. Like in the scene where he's speaking that way, he looks at the camera, he's like, I can speak sama, Spanish. Sama, 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 sama. <laughs> and you know, and it's like, and so it's one of those things where you feel like um, he's not just. And a big time actor. You know, Mandalorian's most popular show on Disney mm-hmm. Plus history. The Last of Us is one of the most popular show on uh, HBO Max history. And he was in Game of Thrones, so top two he's in. Um, but he's also proud to be Latino. And that's something rare that's happened and something that he's yeah. putting in his work. And, you know, when SNL is like, it's crazy that, like, look at me. I didn't, you know. And he says this full Latino name. And he doesn't make a joke of it or anything. And- no, especially um, bringing up the fact that his parents, like, fled Pinochet yeah. for the United States. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's it's crazy to us that sometimes we feel embarrassed, I think, as Latinos, you know, like I'm not fluent in Spanish. And it's one of those things I think sometimes we get embarrassed to 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 bring up the aspects of our culture and who we are, that sometimes we get we have to make it into a joke because we're Latinos. We have to make everything into a joke that's uncomfortable. If there's mm-hmm. something that we're scared of, it's a joke. It always has to be a joke. And I think for him, who's such a funny guy to bring his personality and his character to everything, and just say, like, look, I'm Latino. I'm not going to make fun of my name. I'm not going to make fun of who I am. And I'm proud to be Latino. And everything I do is because that I'm putting my Latino side in it. I think that's so rare for actors, uh, especially big time actors who change their name. Pedro Pascal didn't change his name to to uh, like Peter or something like he, he kept it. He kept his you know name heritage and everything. And I think that's one of the reasons we all love him. I think Latinos especially. Man, we love that man. Ride or die. We'll be there for him always. I have nothing but high hopes for the future of The Last of Us. I hope they run this show as far as they can. And really, just my final notes on the show are this. If you aren't watching it, watch it. I know some of you are like, oh, I'm not big on like The Walking Dead was too intense. This is not that. There is so far like one really intense zombie scene and it's not too bad. You you can you can handle it. Um, I think it's a, a well-dramatized show. If you're not a fan of horrors in general, I think this is the show for you. Um, but honestly, watch this show because everyone's going to be talking about it when it eventually gets to the season finale. I haven't seen it, but I know it's going to be good. Honestly, just watch it. Um, I'm not usually <laughs> one for zombie content, but I like it. I'm enjoying it. I feel there's a little bit of everything for everybody. So every Sunday on HBO. <laughs> So thanks, Josie, so much. Uh, where can we follow you? You can follow me at the Josie Marie on Twitter and Letterboxd. Awesome. And so with that, uh, Josie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about The Last of Us again. So keep listening to that. And we'll be right back. As you go into the weekend, this is what you should keep an eye on. 
First off, it's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. It came out last week. I'll give my full review in the newsletter, but this is my short kind of 60-second review of the movie. And look, I didn't really enjoy it. Unfortunately, I have to say, it, it was really scattered. There's scenes... I'm not going to do any spoilers, don't worry. But I'm just going to say, look, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania... Just like how the, the title is very long and a mouthful, so is the movie. There's so much that happens that doesn't really matter. There's characters or sequences with, like I said, not spoiling. There's a sequence where two characters are walking side by side, and then it jumps to the next scene, and one of the characters is walking into a room that the, char- the other character is already in. And I'm like, they were just next to each other. Why are they now step? What? And there's just moments like that in the movie you're going to be like, Wait, what? And it's not because the it's confusing to follow because of the story. <laughs> You're kind of just going to be sitting there going, what? Some of the jokes are funny. Some of the humor is there. If you love Ant-Man, you're probably going to enjoy this one. But if you're one of those people that are like, I'd rather just watch it on Disney Plus, and you weren't a, the biggest fan of Doctor Strange or Thor, this is, in my opinion, not as good as those. Watch it on Disney Plus. I really think you should watch it. You know, everyone should have their opinion on it. But if this is not something that you're actively excited for, the movie will not change your mind. It's really kind of disappointing. Um, and it's supposed to set up the big bad for the next franchise. And I got to say, it's like if they made a Hawkeye movie and Thanos was the villain. You just you're just not believing it for a second. And when the movie ends, you're like, so uh, this is what we're getting, huh? That's my short spoiler free review for him and the Wasp Quantumania. I wish I wanted to love it. I did. I tried so hard. But man, it is hard to love something that is so just sporadic and chaotic and all over the place. Jumping forward, Physical 100. I talked about it with you last week. I'm going to talk about it again because the season finale hit. It's a, it's it's the best competitive show ever made. I don't know what else to say. It's awesome. It's funny. It's you you are rooting for these characters. What? It's on Netflix. Physical 100. It's a Korean show. I hope they're already producing season two. I'm addicted to it. I know you're going to be addicted to it. And now that the show's over and the 10 episodes are out, you can binge this. And trust me, when you get started, you're going to binge the whole thing. I promise you. I'm not going to spoil anything. All I'm going to say is my favorite character, I guess athlete, I should say, is Sexy Yama. That dude is amazing. He's funny. He's cool. Really, honestly, even if you don't know anything about Korean uh, culture or dramas or anything and actors, you're going to enjoy the show. I promise you. And finally, my last recommendation to keep your eye on this week, if you're in a gaming mood, Hogwarts Legacy. People are regarding this as one of the game of the year contenders. It is going, it is so beautiful. I gotta say, if you love the Harry Potter universe, I'm gonna say, without spoiling anything, I was flying a hippogriff over the Hogwarts Express during the nighttime in Hogwarts Castle in the distance, and I thought, this is everything I've wanted for the last 20 years of my childhood. I, it, it's such a beautiful game. If you're a Harry Potter fan, you're going to love this game. The gameplay is good. It's complicated if you want it to be, but it's simple if you need it to be. If you're into stealth games, there's a whole stealth system here. If you're like, no, me, me want to go shoot you. Me want to pew, pew, pew. You can do that too. If you're more of like, I want to summon monsters and animals, and you can do that too. If you're like, well, I like crafting potions and I want to do that. You can do that too. The gameplay is so wide ranging. It's so fun. 
I've put like almost 20, 30 hours into this game. It is fun. It is so entertaining. Really, if you're looking for a game where you can just explore, and I really mean this, the Hogwarts castle and the whole area, you can explore every single inch of it. You will not get bored. You will be like, oh damn, I've been playing for three hours. I've just been wandering through the woods. And you'll be enjoying the whole time. So really, if you're looking for a game to play this weekend, if you have a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox One, this is the game you're going to want to get. For everyone else that has a PlayStation 4, you're going to have to wait a month. Uh, it's same with the Xbox 360. Uh, and for anyone that has a Nintendo Switch, I'm sorry to say the game doesn't come out till June, but uh, hey, the least you can do is go watch gameplay on YouTube or something. You're going to enjoy yourself. And those are my recommendations for this weekend. <laughs> and so we'll be right back with The Vault. And welcome to the all-time segment, or as we like to call it, The Vault. Every episode, I put something in the vault so that we can preserve a piece of art, movie, a book, a graphic novel, etc., etc., etc. Let's welcome back Josie. Josie, what do you have for The Vault today? I love how this is like your own little criterion collection. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it's trying to be. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, for today, I'm going to bring something that I believe to be utmost esteemed art that a lot of people are probably going to fight me for, but I don't care. And that is <laughs> Star Wars The Last Jedi, directed by the one and only Ryan Johnson. So we're talking about episode eight of the Star Wars franchise and the best one out of all of them. I love Star Wars The Last Jedi. I like the sequel trilogy and I've been there from the start. I watched the OT, the original trilogy on VHS back when they had, I think, like Darth Vader's face and then Yoda's face and Stormtrooper's face. I love Star Wars. I'm not the biggest fan of the Star Wars fandom, but I love Star Wars. And that's a really good movie. That fight scene, that lightsaber fight scene between Royal Guard versus Rey and Kylo. Damn, what a scene. So that was my favorite. The color grading, just everything, just the red room. And I just love the choreography in that scene. So right there with you. Agreed. And I remember, look, there's a few times in, in a film's life or in your life where you remember sitting in the theater. You remember looking at the screen and thinking, this will be forever in my mind. For me, I don't know about you, the Holdo Maneuver, when I first saw it in theaters, it's a moment I'll never forget. I remember, like, I, I was yeah. three seats from the side. I remember looking up and I was three rows up and I just thinking... What a beautiful scene. I don't think we'll, I, like, god damn, right? Like, <laughs> what about you? I get goosebumps every single time. And I will never forget. I remember I was sitting down in the theater. I went to see the movie by myself. And I just remember the whole, I had the entire role road to myself and I just looked to my side as if there were people there and was like you seeing this <laughs> I was like, you seen this so yes you're in the vault I'm gonna put what I love in the vault and speaking about an infected speaking about sort of zombies and I'm putting in the vault Night of the Living Dead which is written and directed by George A. Romero one of the all-time greats one of the original zombie movies one of the classic zombie movies that you all love and if you haven't seen it you gotta see it um, it's a classic. It's one of those, it was a move for black America by accident. You know, everyone's like, yeah, he casted a black man because this, and he's like, oh yeah, sure. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. But that didn't happen. I just cast him because he was a good actor, but I'm glad you guys were able to take something from this. So have you seen Night of the Living Dead? I hope. I have not. You haven't? Oh my God. I know. You gotta watch it. It's so, it's hokey. There's, there's little moments like, you know, it's one of the characters like, he's coming to get you, Barbara. And it's like foreshadowing the impending doom of zombies. But it's one of those like, this is a first big zombie movie. Granted, it wasn't the first. There was a French film, I think, called Zombie that came up before. But this is the first American one. This is the first one that hit theaters, that hit the world. And if you haven't seen it, I'm just going to... The reason it's kind of important, especially because it's, it's Black History Month, the main character is black. And the fact that this character... I'm going to spoil this for you because it's been out for like 90 years. So I'm going to spoil this for you. So 
the main character, the black guy, he gets through the whole movie. He lives through everything. I think he's the only character that lives through the entire movie. And he gets to the end and he's like, damn, I lived through the zombie apocalypse. And then he gets shot by a white guy who thinks that he's a zombie. And it's the most anticlimactic, hurtful ending. And it's it says a lot. And, you know, he was just like, ah, shitty things happen. But it meant so much to the black community to say, like, damn, we get the black guy as the main character. He lives through it. He's smart. He's constantly making the best decisions, the smart decisions. He doesn't give a damn about nobody. And he gets shot by the white redneck rangers walking down the street, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's just when it comes to Black History Month, I think that's one of the most important films we have to remember about even accidental is good, you know? And to me, and then it's also zombies. Who doesn't love zombies? So yes, I recommend to you and anyone who hasn't seen Night of the Living Dead, check it out. It is a masterpiece. And I'm putting that one into the vault. So that's this week's vault. Do you guys think they're deserving of all-time great status? Tell me at the Storytime Guy on Twitter, and we'll be right back. Okay, everyone, I just found out that Sonora has lost control of its mushroom farm, and I need to go before I start seeing spores. I want to thank Josie for joining me today, and I want to thank you for listening. Seriously, honestly, from the heart, thank you guys so much for making this possible. I couldn't do without you. Thank you, thank you. You guys can follow me across all the socials at the Storytime Guy. If there's a social media for it, I probably have an account for it. And you can find the links to everything we've discussed in the show notes. Don't forget, everyone, have a magical day. The Storytime Guy podcast is a production of Sonora Media. It is produced by Carlos Arenado, mixed and engineered by Santiago Sierra.